And coming up on golf today, John Rahm returns to one of his favorite spots on planet Earth, San Diego, where he won his first tour event, where he won the U.S. Open last year, and where he dropped to a knee. We'll see what's in store for world number one at Torrey Pines this week. And what is the state of Lexi Thompson? After more than two years without a win, can Lexi get back on the good foot in Florida as the LPGA moves from Orlando to Boca? And speaking of Orlando, it is demo and fitting day at the PGA show at Orange County National. We'll take you there, show you the latest in clubs and balls and more. It's all ahead right here on Golf Today. Oh, Tory Pines felt like we were just there. 2021 U.S. Open. Of course, the Farmers Insurance back again on the schedule. This feels like we're supposed to be here, D. This is a very comfortable time on the PGA Tour schedule and an exciting time on the PGA Tour schedule as well. Golf today coming your way. Shane Bacon with Damon Hack. We've got Tory Pebble, TPC Scottsdale, and Riviera ramping up. This is the West Coast Swing, baby. It is comfortable for the viewer, hopefully uncomfortable for the players. One of the things I love about Torrey Pines, the North and the South, it kind of asks some tougher questions than maybe we've seen so far in this young PGA Tour schedule. Obviously, it's a major championship venue, as you saw last year. But even as the host of the Farmers Insurance, you have to hit golf shots, especially if you get that marine layer. Maybe folks around the, the, the country call it fog. Uh, on the West Coast, you call it a marine Always layer. Always a marine layer. Yeah. That's very, very smart. You know, when you think about the start of each season and you get the Century Tournament of Champions and players have to win to, to be invited there, and you get the Sony, it's always a great golf course and typically a great finish there as well. And you get to mainland golf and everybody excited for the America Express. It's been around for so long. But to me, I mean, this is really the start of it. This is when people start to really show up and you get the big fields and you get the top ranked players. We get John Rahm in the field this week, world number one. Out of golf course he loves, a place he loves, and we're going to get into that a bit. But this just, to me, it, it is exciting. This is like almost like the holiday season for golf fans. Well, the cool thing about this sport is for some people, the beginning of the season is Maui. Right. For others, it's this week. Maybe some people say Pebble. For some, it's the players. For others, it could be Augusta National. But you know when you get to like January and start to flip the calendar into February, this is an important time of year already. You want to start off the year on the good foot. Also, West Coast golf helps when you live places that are cold. I mean, this is yeah. fairly new to me. I know you've lived through the cold in previous lives. But for me, I mean, this is kind of our first time going through this. So it's winter where you live, and then you get um, some nice warm weather and get some great golf as well. Should be a very, very fun week. Meanwhile, one of the great events of the golf season gets underway tomorrow with the Farmers Insurance Open. For this year only, the tournament begins on Wednesday with the final round scheduled for Saturday. The field will play one round on each course Wednesday and Thursday before the South course becomes the sole venue play during the final two rounds. Got some odds, some of the big names in the field you see here. Points bet odds to win. John Rahm plus 700. Already a winner at this event. Justin Thomas plus 1,400. And DJ, I mean, that is a big number. Plus mm. 2,200 for a guy I think is going to have a big 2022. They go off at 140. Yeah, number's big because John Rahm is so red hot at Torrey. When you look at the world number one in his career, I mean, go back to 2017, his first ever PGA Tour victory. This was the Eagle putt on 18, and we're just getting ready to know this guy. You know, we knew the, the resume at Arizona State, but we want to talk about a moment. 
One of the top three moments, in my opinion, in Tory Pines history, one of the top three moments in Farmers Insurance Open history. I mean, that was to everybody that didn't know about John Rahm, the amateur, the John Rahm, the collegiate player, of course, getting in the hunt at the waste management as an amateur as well. This was that moment you go, okay, this is kind of a big moment guy, not just a big golfing guy. Yeah, final round 65, about 2021 U.S. Open, meeting magic in an event, Shane, where it's hard to come by. You see a lot of magical finishes in a U.S. Open. You're trying to just hang on. But to birdie the 71st and 72nd holes and really kind of tie up the story of the previous couple of weeks, losing that six-shot lead at Memorial and not letting it kind of bring him down and carry over, instead making an emphatic first major championship. Win. Yeah, the last time that happened at a U.S. Open, the cameras were not HD. Players yeah. did not travel with physicians and chefs and private planes. It was a different era when Tom Watson won at Pebble Beach, finishing birdie, birdie, John Rahm doing that. And D, I mean, he, he loves this area and this town for multiple reasons. Yeah, he and his now wife, Kelly, they got engaged in San Diego from the views to the memories both absolutely love this town. For even me and Kelly, man, we both said that uh, we both, uh, both, both our favorite city in the world was San Diego. Uh, funny enough, when we just started dating, she came with me. Well, she drove because I couldn't drive. I didn't have a U.S. license to, to the prequel, but sorry, to the qualifier, uh, Monday qualifier for Torrey Pines 2016. She had no idea about golf. Uh, caddy for me will carry the clubs. I missed it by one. We drove back a year after I win the tournament the way I did. So the history there, it's, uh, it's pretty special. And uh, we come here a lot, you know. Uh, I'm a member of the golf course out here, and uh, I come quite often because it's kind of like a getaway, and uh, we love coming here. And that's why we keep having such great moments in life, you know, uh, out here too. So hopefully there's many more to come. All right, so this is a guy that's won the Farmers Insurance, won a U.S. Open yeah. at Torrey as well last season, a couple of victories. And just to look at his performances on this golf course since 2007, really just look at the second column there, just one across the board. A lot of ones, very uh, similar to Bernard Langer when you talk about his production on PGA Tour Champions. I would say that John Rahm in recent years building perhaps a Tiger Woods type of resume yes. at Torrey Pines. You think about the production, you think about the comfort level since 2017. So John Rahm, the world number one, is ready to meet the press. You know, it, it is a golf course that I love. It's a city that I love. Obviously, have great memories all throughout my career here. You know, my latest win being here as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, just very excited to be here. It's one of those weeks that I look forward to every year. And it looks like the weather's going to be great, as it almost always is in San Diego. And, you know, hopefully I can put in another strong performance like I have in the past. Okay, and you're making your fourth start of the season, the second place finish at Century. Mm -hmm. um, just some thoughts on progress with your game and what you're feeling most comfortable comfortable with as you're heading into the week. You know, I think I've said it before. I don't think the Century Tournament of Champions is the best indicator of form just because of how different of a golf course it is to what we play the rest of the year, um, especially this year when we played without any win, right? It showed uh, it was... Uh, a battle to shoot a very low score to, to get up there. Um, but uh, feeling confident, feeling feeling comfortable. You know, last week was not my best week. Uh, didn't feel good. Swing wise, nothing really felt good. Putting felt about as bad as it can feel. And I somehow still managed to sneak in the top 15. So that gives me a lot of confidence knowing that what I'm working on is 
is going the right track. And when I'm having a bad week, I can still post a score. So um, hopefully I can tidy up a couple details in, uh, in the next few weeks, but uh, hopefully I can start playing good this week. Talk about John Rahm since the Memorial last season. 11 starts, of course, the victory at the U.S. Open. Seven top tens. I mean, this guy is having bad putting weeks and finishing in the top 20. He's having weeks where he's frustrated and finishing in the top 10. He's the next guy. I mean, he's the next dominant player in professional golf that I think we both expect to, to do amazing things this season, do amazing things this week. Yeah, especially this week. He has such a soulful connection to this place as we outlined. And when I think about what happened last year with losing that six-shot lead at Memorial, it was almost perfect that Torrey Pines was the place he would go to next, the perfect tonic for someone who was frustrated and angry. I'm not saying he would have, would have won U.S. Open at Pebble or, or at Oakmont. Perhaps he would have. But that, the fact that it was Torrey Pines, it was the perfect landing place for John Rahm because of the memories he has there on, and, on the golf course and off the golf course. He was able to put the disappointment from Memorial behind him and move forward. Now, looking ahead for John Rahm and seeing the second-place finish at Maui, which he said, hey, it's not an indication of form in the T14. But we have seen him emote after both of those tournaments, disappointed with the mistakes he made on Maui, disappointed with the golf course setup on the way to the T14 out in the California desert. So I believe he's wide awake to how well he's playing, and the stats look beautiful, and we can dress him up on a full screen to use the TV term, but he wants to win tournaments and trophies. And for all of the greatness of John Rahm, and there's a lot of greatness therein, he knows that the productivity of trophies, of winning golf tournaments, has to pick up. Adds to the legacy. I mean, that's something you asked yeah. when we were on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about some of these players and previewing them. And you said you didn't necessarily need a major championship for John Rahm, yes. but you needed trophies. Yeah. And you want to see victories. And when you look back at 2021 and all that came to John Rahm, you know, world number one, major champion, all of these important things. And being a major champion at Torrey, I mean, we talk about Max Homa winning at Riviera. Mm. And he talked a lot about how that was as important a victory as he could ever have over major championships. That's what he understood in terms of tournament golf. Since he was a child, that's where he went and fell in love with professional golf. For John Rahm, very similar here at Torrey Pines. So, no matter the putting, you know, kind of not being up to John Rahm's standards, maybe he's not playing the way that he wants to be playing despite the great finishes, despite not winning. I feel like when John Rahm shows up at Torrey, there's a comfort that just seems to kind of blanket him. Now, you have said that Victor Hovland at some point this season will be the number one player in the world. So I ask you, does John Rahm feel like a dominant number one to you, or does that number one ranking feel more vulnerable than it did back in the Tiger era? Or even Greg Norman, who had it for 300, north of 300 uh, weeks on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's going to be hard to hold on to it. Yeah. I mean, you're, gonna, you're going to have to separate yourself a little bit like what we've seen on the LPGA Tour with two players. Not one player necessarily separating themselves, but Jin Young-Ko and Nelly Korda have separated themselves from the third best player in right. the world. And it's going to take someone on the PGA Tour doing that. Maybe it's a Colin Morikawa, maybe it's a John Rum. But you're going to have to win. And when you don't win, you're going to have to be finishing top five. That's how you continue to be the number one ranked player in the world. It's hard. I mean, you've heard players like Tom Kite talk about how tough it is when you become world number one. Yeah. There's nowhere else to go, right? Yeah. You can't go up, but you can go down. And you've got to hold on to that. I, I, you know, I've been prepping for the Winter Olympics and getting mm. set. And you hear from Olympians going in to the Winter Olympics saying, when you're the favorite, the pressure that comes with that, you feel like you're going and trying not to lose. It's not necessarily yeah. about winning. You're just trying not to disappoint. And I feel like right now for John Rum, even this week, it can be a lot of that 
preparing for success but hoping not to fail. And for John Rom, this season, I feel like you got a chance, right? You got a chance to separate yourself, or you got a chance to kind of be one of the five best players yeah, in the world. It feels like he's prepared for this moment, was the best amateur, incredible career at Arizona State, now the number one player in the world who, you know, plays practice rounds with Phil Mickelson and has since he was a teenager, had to learn English in college, didn't grow up with it as a, a native speaker from Spain. But there's a lot that goes with it. It's being asked to come into the press room time after time and to be asked the same questions. Right. And for the last several months, it's been, yeah, you're the number one player in the world, but how you know? But, but you know, you're not winning as much as you'd like. And he emotes and he explains it, and he still bemoans the mistakes that he made a few weeks back in Maui. But I believe that he's kind of the physical uh, appearance of a number one, the mental appearance of a number one as well. But but we'll see. Because it's, it's a long time and a lot of pressure and a lot of players coming at you and a lot of exterior things that he has to deal with week after week as well. You, you mentioned the stats with John Rahm, and we showed the highlight from his first victory there at Torrey yeah. Pines. When you look at his ranking, strokes gain-wise, back in 2016-17, third and strokes gained off the tee, he's improved on that. Yeah. This past season, he was second. 20th in strokes gained approach. He's improved on that. He's now eighth on the PJ Tour in that category. 86 in strokes gained around the greens, improved on that. Now 42nd and putting, he was 55th. He's improved on that. This is a guy that came in with all the weight in the world. I mean, you're the number one ranked amateur coming into the professional ranks. There are expectations. People want you to come out there and win and win right away. That's the modern PGA Tour. To improve mm. on these mm. things says a lot about who John Rahm is as a professional golfer. He's a guy that's not content and not happy, and he understands, mm. as we've seen, the primes of players right now. It's not 15 or 20 years anymore, D. Yeah. It might be five years. It might be six years. And when you have the game to be dominant and to be one of the best players in the world, you better take advantage. Now is the time for John Rahm. One thing I will say, it is fun to watch a player play on a golf course that makes such sense yes. to him. It, it just seems like he has a 15th club. He knows it, and everybody on the golf course knows it as well. But one of the storylines we've been talking about a lot this season has been the scoring. I mean, it's been a, a birdie fest, Shane. I mean, <laughs> Eagle fest, even. Eagle, I mean, 80 under in 2022. And, and look where we were in 2020. In 2021, we're getting lower and lower and lower. And you know I've been tooting this hole. I'm going to say this, this is a full D-hack stat board everything I mean you dove into this and looked up these numbers and found that the three tournaments are 80 under the question being what will we see at Tory in yeah. terms of scoring because this isn't a place you typically see people go crazy low yeah but look what we've seen the last 10 years some scoring splits at the farmers insurance open you see 2012 to 2016 the average winning score almost 11 under and look at 2017 to the current day 14.6 under and look at the field scoring average and look at the rounds of 80 or higher and this is Tory baby this isn't the desert I mean this isn't a, a resort course and we're still seeing these guys find a way to take it deep and I'm not comfortable with that and I hope that there's some wind this week out in San Diego if, if we get a little marine layer and a little fog delay I'm okay with that too I want the players to have to sit in the clubhouse and look at their phones and have to struggle a little bit. I just think that the professional game needs a little more teeth right now. And whether it's the design of the golf courses or the course setup or the golf ball, I mean, they're hitting a lot of nine irons in the par fours, and I'm getting a little bored of it, Shane. We need the defense sign. You need me yes. to be holding up our defense I mean, golf today sign. This is a golf course that can play defense, and that's one of the great things about Torrey yeah. Pines. There's a reason that the USGA 
returns to yes. Torrey Pines for a second U.S. Open after the great 08 U.S. Open in the playoff. This is a place where you can run into trouble yeah. on both courses, for that matter. Even the north course that the players will go around once. I mean, it's a place where you can make bogeys and get yourself in trouble. It's not the easiest layout and setup, especially as if you call it a secondary yeah. golf course for the PGA Tour. That's what I ask. That's what I hope for. That's what we'll see this week. I don't need, you know, I don't need somebody shooting 80. I just yeah. need somebody to make a bogey when they hit a bad shot. For me, it's also, I'll be honest, the clubs that the players are using, you know, back in the day, there were two iron and three iron approaches into par fours. You know, and that was a skill. I mean, Tiger, Trevino, Jack, uh, with, a, with a long iron in their hands. I mean, that's poetry. That's art. That is the utmost of skill. And we just don't see those clubs being hit. And we were lauding Hideki with the, with the fairway woods. We do see those in the par fives from time to time, but I still think that that part of the game of having to hit a four iron into a par four, and we see, you know, at Augusta National, they've stretched out the golf course a little bit to kind of bring some of those clubs back into play, but week to week on the PGA Tour, we just don't see that very often. It's part of one of the crazy predictions I had for the year is you think we're going to see a shakeup of the golf bag. I mean, you're going to yeah. see longer hitters of Bryson type potentially take three, four, five iron out of the back because, I mean, why have it in there if you're never going to hit it? I was very interested. We got these to hand it to us before the show, some of the quotes from Colin Morikawa yeah. about scoring, and one thing he said is without wind, it doesn't matter what club we're hitting. Yeah. We're going to hit a club close. That's how dialed the pro is right now with their distances. That, And, again, th one of the crazy things you'll ever see is if you sit behind a professional golfer or if you can ever get close enough to look at their track man devices or whatever, the numbers are so close with oh every gosh. single swing, D. I mean, they are in such control of their number and their distance control and knowing what their seven iron is going to go. And they'll get all that dialed this week. It's going to be a little bit different this week at Torrey Pines and sea level. But once Wednesday gets going, I mean, it is literally just find the fairway and I'm going to hit this iron on the green. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a four iron or a wedge. That's how dialed the modern pro is. I don't know what it is. I don't know the reason for that. But it sure seems like no matter the number on the bottom of the club, they're going to find a way to make it sing. And they are. And that's their job. Their job is to figure out a right. way to shoot as low. You like to say dirty. Shoot something dirty out there. And that's their job. But I tell you what. I miss the KG mid-range jump I shot with you. in the NBA. The 18-foot pull-up jumper that was Beautiful to watch the elbow of the key. I want to see some of that in golf. I don't know how you bring it back. I know the USGA doing the distance report, and this is something we all talk about. And, and listen, the game is in a fantastic place, and I'm going to watch it whether they're shooting 40 under or, or two over on the week. But I just would like to see a little bit more of variety week to week. And maybe it happens during the West Coast swing. We'll continue to watch and see what happens in terms of Torrey and see, of course, Pebble Beach as well and Riviera. Things get a little bit tough. Conditions help. Yes. You said the thing so. about variety. I, I think that's the only thing we're asking for. Yeah. You know, sometimes you know, golf people, really in-depth golf people, yes. can dive into this and act like we don't want to see 65s or 63s. It's not about that. It's not like you and I care what the winning score yes. could be. It's just the idea of variety. Give us, give us something a little bit different. Give us some whole locations or some different looks around the greens that test these guys. Give us, dare yeah. I say, a centerline bunker yeah. like we saw on the DP World Tour until hadn't hated it, but at least it gets players thinking differently than they think maybe the other 14, mm. 15 tee shots. Tournament this week is going to be a lot of fun, but how about the tournament before the tournament? Tournament before the tournament. The Monday qualifier. The Monday Warriors, Shane, as you dubbed them. Guys trying to make their way into the big tournament, and that's exactly what these guys did. I mean, it's just it, it's such an unbelievable thing in sports that we don't talk enough about on Monday. Anyone in theory mm. has a chance to play themselves into a tournament alongside the number one ranked player in the world. And you see the name right there on top, Jonathan Bird. 
He's won on the PGA Tour five times, D. And how about the name on the bottom, Jared Dutrois, college teammate of John Rahm, which makes you think that Rahm and Dutrois might finish one-two. Dutrois is going to get all the information <laughs> he can from Rombo. I wonder if he'll, if he'll share it as long as Jared finishes second. I like that. <laughs> Well-researched there. Those players will be playing this week. When Golf Today returns, we're joined by the Latin America Amateur Champion Aaron Jarvis, fresh off his win into the Masters, into the Open, on Golf Today. All that coming your way. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Golf Central Update. Brought to you by Callaway Golf. Very tense ending on Sunday at the Latin American Amateur Championship. Aaron Jarvis of UNLV was a shot behind the leader when he went to the par 5 18th, hit the green in two, two putted for birdie and the eventual win. And with it, Jarvis earns a spot at Augusta National and the 150th Open Championship. Yeah, to the Masters on social media congratulating the 19-year-old Aaron Jarvis becoming the first player from the Cayman Islands to compete in the Masters courtesy of his victory at the 2022 Latin America Amateur Championship. What's up, Aaron? Congrats, brother. We're so proud of you. Can't wait to see you here in a few days. Congrats, Aaron. What an Aaron. Proud of you, Aaron. Way to go, brother. Three, four, five, baby. <laughs> Teammates from UNLV congratulating Aaron Jarvis, who joins us now. Aaron, your life has changed in a huge way with this victory. How would you describe the last couple days for you between the text messages and phone calls and the like? Wow, it's been a crazy 72 hours. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Just pretty chaotic. Haven't really settled down yet, but it's all slowly kicking in. Aaron, you called the bogey on the 16th the best save of your life. As we take a look at how you played the 16th hole, just walk us through that roller coaster you <laughs> must have been going through from the club to the swing to the penalty area to a great four. Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, had a five iron in hand and thinned it, didn't really get through it. And then I'm, I was like, thought to myself, let me just put it on the green. And that bogey putt was probably the biggest putt of my life so far. It kept me in the tournament and then allowed me to go into 17 and 18 with a chance to win. What was it like having to wait for the rest of the players to finish out? What was going through your mind? A lot of nerves, just thinking to myself, like, what? If there's a potential playoff or if I actually had the chance to win, just 
all the emotions were just unbelievable. So, Aaron, you win the Latin America Amateur Championship. What an accomplishment that is. At what point after the victory did your excitement go from, oh, my goodness, I just won the AM, to, oh, my goodness, I'm going to play at Augusta and St. Andrews? Um, Probably a few hours after I won, it all kicked in. Like, as soon as I won, it didn't really get into my mind. It was kind of just I was thinking a lot, and then – all of a sudden, I just started to think, like, what is, what was going on in my mind? It was just crazy. Will you be the first golfer from the Cayman Islands to compete in the Masters? How did you stumble into this wonderful game of golf in the first place? So, the Cayman Islands hosted the 2013 Caribbean Junior Championships, and then my brother was playing in it, and then my dad said, come out and watch, and then I started to go out and play, and then from there... I just got involved in the game. Aaron, with the major invites likely, who's a player you'd most want to play a practice round with and why, both at the Masters and the Open Championship? Wow. Uh, any of the UNLV alumni, um, that would be pretty special just to play a practice round with them. But honestly, any, any top pro, uh, any major champion would be amazing. So you're a student at UNLV. Listen, I'm a Las Vegas Raider fan, heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. Do you get tickets? Any you know time with Derek Carr, the QB? Have you become a Raider fan in your young life? Um, not yet. I mean, still trying to figure out which NFL team I support because I have family members that support the Dolphins, uh, Broncos, and Saints, and now I'm in Vegas, so it's like. Which team should I kind of lean towards? But uh, I definitely – I've been to the stadium to watch some UNLV football games, but I haven't been to a Raiders game yet. Well, Aaron, I, you can see the happiness across your face, man. I mean, <laughs> what a win, what an experience, and what a 2022 you have upcoming. Play well at Augusta, play well at St. Andrews. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back. This week, the LPGA Tour stays in Florida for the GameBridge LPGA. Boca Rio, the event moves back to South Florida after Orlando's Lake Nona hosted last year. When Nellie Corda won in 2021, one event after her sister Jess won the Tournament of Champions, they became the second sister act in LPGA history to win back-to-back -back events on Tour D. 
Take us to the check of the uh, Rolex women's rankings. Talk about the depth of competition. Nelly Corda, narrow lead right now over Jin Young Ko. See number 12 there, notable. Lexi Thompson outside the top 10, couple years now without a victory on the LPGA Tour. And last year, it just it had a little bit of everything except for a win. Yeah, look through her 2021 runner-up to Gamebridge LPGA in the Kia Classic. Five-stroke lead during the final round at the U.S. Women's Open at Olympic Club. Ended up finishing third right out of the playoff. Lost in a playoff at the Pelican Women's Championship as well. I mean, and that doesn't go on to tell the story. You know, she was five clear with eight to play in yeah. that U.S. Women's Open. I think the most surprising thing about Lexi when you talk about Lexi Thompson is that she's 26 years old. Mm. Same age as Jin Young-Ko. Uh, we talk about Hideki, and you heard earlier in the season when Hideki was making that run in Hawaii. I mean, you hear about Hideki and him only being in his 20s. Uh, I would say the most shocking player in that regard is Lexi because she's been in her life for so, so yeah. long, D. Well, you know, there's a saying that, uh, you know, prodigies are we're tough on them, you know, whether they're child actors or major championship winners. Uh, we love to watch them succeed, then we love to watch them fall and sometimes fail. And I think right now Lexi's kind of in the middle of this machine. And I think it's been hard for her. In the last season, she was asked to give her a season a grade. And she said, I I'd rather not. And I've seen her after tournaments and trying so hard to smile. And we've talked to her many times on this show and in, in past incarnations and sometimes with a dog she's holding. And I just think that, you know, this is someone who qualified for the U.S. Open as a 12-year-old. She has been in our lives for a long time. But there's a lot of Michelle Wee, Lydia Ko, type of energy here that when the getting's good, it's unbelievable. And she was forecast to be the face of American golf. And for a time, she was on the women's side. And right now, she's been replaced by Nelly. And you can throw Daniel Kang in the mix as well. And Jessica Corda has been front and center for a long time. I think, I think that Lexi's just trying to figure out where she fits and trying to add some trophies to go along with the, the short miss putts, which is a storyline or... or passport gate when her bag was on its way from France to the next stop and that kept some of the players from being able to practice and of course the the penalty that happened out in the California desert in the midst of that major championship the Chevron and I think she's trying to get past those moments and get past that and at the age of 26 in some ways it feels like she's 46. She's squandering some of her peak statistical seasons right now because of the putter. I mean, when you look at Lexi's year last year, she was fourth in driving distance. She was first in greens and regulation. She was 132nd yeah. in putting average. I mean, this is a player that can throw the long ball like Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, she can hit a receiver in stride 40, 50, 60 yard down the field. But when you have to pitch it to your running back, yeah. Lexi struggles with that. And this isn't to say Lexi doesn't work hard at the putting, but I would like to see Lexi get more creative with it. And this has been something that I've talked about on this show multiple times. Try different things. Bring in some different voices. Talk to a Brad Faxon, if you will. Mm. Take the glove off. Go arm lock. Do something with the putter to where it feels a little bit more athletic because everything else is so athletic. Her golf game is so athletic. The swing is powerful and produces as much distance as anybody in the world would hope to have. The iron play is as good as anybody in golf right now when you look at her numbers they're better than most pga tour players in terms of yeah. greens regulation and then she gets on the green and it's a different player this isn't the first player that's gone through this yeah we've gone through this with players like adam scott throughout their career yeah. and sergio garcia at times where you're almost frustrated as a fan because it's so easy tee to green but for lexi it's not about becoming a great putter it's yeah. becoming 
a good putter or even an average putter out there. You can't be 132nd in putting average on the LPJ Tour and expect to win no matter how good the ball striking is. It's the greens where the nerves will show up, you know, especially yep. if you're not a great putter, and she's not. And she doesn't have to be a great putter to win or to win major championships. But we have seen on Sunday, late in tournaments, we've seen the bobbles. Even last year at the Pelican, she had a fantastic putting week leading up Right. Those final her best ever. few holes, her best ever, and was not able to kind of carry it across the line. She strikes me as someone who needs time away from the game. I, I think on the far-flung schedule that is the LPGA, that no one needs to rest more and get away from the spotlight than her, who's been doing this since she was 12 years of age. She was in our public consciousness out at Pine Needles in 2007, and it was a cool story. She hit the ball a long way then right. as well, and, and she wowed us. And she turned pro young, and she won young, and she did carry that weight of the hopes of American golf when South Korea was so ascendant. And I just think that having spoken to her a couple times at the end of seasons in Naples, you know, bereft of a trophy, she just looks like a golf course sometimes is the last place she wants to be. She's an athlete. She's a professional golfer. I mean, this is the job that she has to go through in 2022, no matter if you're really excited about being out there or if you want time away. I do wonder, you mentioned a couple of names. I mean, Nellie, obviously, last season with what she did as an Amer and a young American. Mm. And you think about what Danielle Kang has already done in 2022 with a win. I, I just wonder, is that something that could kind of light a fire in Lexi as a 26-year-old that's now going a couple of years without a victory? I mean, this is a player that we had always pegged as one of the best yeah. in the world. And right now, a part of her game is keeping her from that. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a little bit like when you go to the gym, right? They tell you if you train the same muscles the same way all the time, it stops working. And for Lexi, not to say she's not working on a whole bunch of different things on the greens, but I would just like to see some different pitches. Let's yeah. see a couple things look different on the greens so it does feel a little bit more like Lexi does in all other parts of the game because, again – Tina Green, I mean, it, it is a must-watch. Yeah. It is a must-buy ticket. I mean, it is much-watched television. And in person, I couldn't list you 10 male players on this planet that I would say are more fun to watch hit the yeah. golf ball than Lexi is. But when you get on the greens, you can't get them to go. You mentioned the short putts. Even when you're having a great putting week, if it looked a little bit different this year, I would be happy. Even if it's not successful, try it. Yeah. Let's just try some stuff in she 2022. highly competitive. Yes. She comes from a family of golfers competing against her brothers, one reason she points to the, the great distances she hits the golf balls because she's been trying to keep up with her brothers since she was playing golf as a little kid. She is someone who took a month-long break in 2018 to get away from golf, a bit of a mental health break. The, the social media you know, thugs were, were ganging up on her, and, and she was having trouble kind of figuring out, well, do I want to post or do I want to put the phone down? And, and I think in some ways she's still living in that world of trying to be front and center and be famous, but also needing some time away. I just think as someone who has been out in the public eye since she was a preteen, even before she was a teenager, I think she's an old 26. And, and we say, yeah, she's got plenty of years right. ahead, but I'm not so sure she's going to want to be doing this when she's 35 or 40. I hope so, because she's an asset to the game and an asset to the LPGA Tour. But I look at her as a person also, and I see someone that needs those breaks to get away to maybe show her best self when she is inside the ropes. 
I mean, the event that I would most want to mulligan on in 2021 was mm. the U.S. Women's Open. You know, Lexi's played so well, has been there yeah. for so long. It feels a little bit like Michelle. Yeah. When Michelle finally got that U.S. Mm. Women's Open victory, it was important to get it. It was a great moment in sport. It was a great moment for golf, you know, across the board. And for Lexi as well, she's going to get herself in contention at another U.S. Open. Yeah. I hope she can close it out. She deserves mm. a U.S. Open the way she's played throughout her career, yeah. and hopefully at some point she can get that done. Last week, 26-year-old South African golfer James Hart-Dupree made his PGA Tour debut at the American Express after he was given a sponsor's exemption in the event. Dupree is six foot nine. Excuse me? 260 how, pounds. How tall? Six nine. Mm. And last year on the Sunshine Tour, averaged 373.1 yards off the tee. He long. My goodness. Look at his uh, stock numbers. And uh, just if you're at home, I I'm just going to say, look another way. <laughs> yeah, right. For your eyes here. The driver, 345. I mean, that's not going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but it's when you get into these irons that it's just mind-blowing. 206, 7-iron carry, 8-iron goes 190. 9-iron goes 180. Get a full wedge, 160. Hey, that could be sea level. Wait wow. till this guy gets to Colorado. It'd be pretty cool to be able to talk to him one of these days. Oh, we, got, we got him on the show. Ooh, James joins us now. And, uh, James, there is long, and then there is long. When did you realize you were in that second category? Um, I was playing a, an event for South Africa. Um, I think I was about 17 years old. It was called the All Africa, and we were playing in Mauritius. Um, and I was on the range just warming up, hitting eight times to green. And, and a teammate of mine said, do you want to have a closer to the pin on that hole? So I said, yeah, let's go for it. Um, he asked me, what am I hitting? said eight times. So he gave it a go, and he was like 30 yards short of the green. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. He tried my club and still 30 yards short of the green. And that was probably the first time that things clicked well. I was like, oh, okay. Got a bit of an extra gear here compared to most people. Yes, you do. You, you had a lot of eyeballs on you last week. The Palm Springs Desert Sun newspaper described you last week as a six foot nine, 260 pound wall of muscle. I'm not <laughs> sure if you're the dude grunting on the bench press or the guy flexing in the mirror, but how would you describe <laughs> your workout routine? Um, Look, it's changed a bit over the years. I think I've gotten to this place, not necessarily trying to put on muscle, but more to train to avoid injury. Um, but I've worked with some phenomenal strength and fitness guys from Gavin Groves to Michael Wood, and they've been really instrumental in, in helping me these last few years. But um, I think a lot of the time it's just trying to get stronger. Um, being this tall and having this leverage, you can create a lot of speed, and having the body to withstand those forces is pretty important. So... I would say it's not quite as much raw speed training as what Bryson's been putting up lately, but for me, the training is just focused around being strong, being stable, and being able to maintain these forces. James, you possess a skill set that so many professional golfers wish they had. What is a specific skill set that a player that's playing out on the PGA Tour, European DP World Tour, possesses that you would like to improve on, like Speed's putting or Nelly's brain or Morikawa's iron play? Um, yeah, I think Morikawa over the last... 18 months, two years, I stood out as, as a, the, I would say statistically the second best iron player since Tiger's been playing the game in the shot link era. Um, but the lesson I took from last week and something that I'd love to implement going forward is the freedom that these guys have when they play. Um, I think the mental attitude that they have to play just for themselves when they're on the course and, and have the same, I think, lack of care when it comes to the consequences of, of the round you're playing and, and to have that freedom to allow yourself to perform and just let your talent come out. James, uh, life comes at you fast. You've, you've got a lot going on, 
not just on the course but off the course, recently engaged. We discussed John Rahm falling to his knee in San Diego. Uh, how did you how did you pop the question? Take us through uh, the whole process. Yeah, that's actually where I was when I got the invite for um, for the Fed, for the Amex last week. Um, my fiance lives in Fort Worth. She was coming out to to visit, and then. Um, I organized that her whole family came out without her knowing. So I uh, proposed to her, as you can see there, in Nisla in South Africa on a beautiful cliff. Um, and then when we got back to our holiday home, her family was there waiting for her, and she, she pretty much freaked out. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> it went well, then. If she freaked out, that's a positive. <laughs> you did a great job. All right, what's the longest drive you ever hit in your life that you know has been recorded? What's, the, what's that number? Um... At elevation, I change over to meters, so I've hit one, I think, like 436 meters, so to convert to like 470-odd yards down here, but um, that's the elevation added, so about 435 yards. I've hit two shots, 435 yards before. You've seen him, Shane. I also read, James Hart, where you played cricket and water polo in high school also, so I'm curious if you considered a different career path other than golf. What would it be? Um, yeah, I loved all sports growing up. Um, I played cricket, rugby, water polo, swimming, squash, which is similar to racquetball out in the States. Um, but if it wasn't golf, it'd be tough, man. I think I've been banking on this since I was a little kid, but it would probably definitely um, be someone in the sports world. I'm, I'm not built to sit at a desk being 6'9", so it would definitely be <laughs> in the sports world somewhere. Need to be in the sports world because you don't need to be flying coach either. Not great to be 6'9 and flying coach. What's this year been like for you, James, to kind of get all this attention and you kind of get into the PGA Tour, get into the PGA Tour world, and you see all these newspapers and social media accounts start to follow you? Yeah, just on your previous points, I've never flown business class once in my life, so hopefully that'll <laughs> change pretty soon. Um, but yeah, last week was an unbelievable experience. Um, getting the invite on such short notice was obviously really exciting and didn't play the way I wanted to um, coming off the holiday. But the holiday was phenomenal with my fiance and all of that. But yeah, last week I was literally just going to play and do the best I could. And on Tuesday, all of that kind of changed um, when I started hitting drivers on the range. I, <laughs> I know people enjoy seeing seeing it but i mean i wasn't used to or prepared for what was to come and and the rest of the week i actually practiced at the hideaway where i was staying just so that i could do some good work because <laughs> it had gotten to the point where i couldn't hit a driver without someone to ask for a video or numbers or something like that um but it was a phenomenal experience all of this is is really good good things that are happening i'm very very fortunate and blessed that uh, last week happened and the traction that came with it. Um, it's just new to me. I think I've got a new respect for for guys who are in the public eye their entire life because what I'm, what happened and what I'm currently still going through is just a drop in the ocean of what they experience every day. But it's a ton of fun. I'm just going to take a couple of days to get used to. But luckily, I got some good people who will smack me in the head if I ever get too big for my shoes. <laughs> well, with great power comes great responsibility, James Hart. <laughs> Congrats on everything coming your way. you got a big wedding to plan as well. We hope to speak to you down the road. Yes, I appreciate your time, and thanks for having me on.
The week's time for this date in Tiger history. Kind of just roll whatever day. There's some Tiger history that was made. Yeah, I mean, Matt Adams talking about the Tiger effect. This was part of it 25 years ago. Before he won the Masters by 12, a little ace. It was, remember, they weren't all the way built around. It wasn't stadium setting there. Crowd's 16, still going yeah. wild. I went, I went to one waste management mm. when it wasn't, you know, kind of fully enclosed. It was such a different look, but the fans still energized and excited. And the interesting part, the uh, last uh, last Tiger Ace on the PGA That's Tour Ma made one made one in '96, made one in '97. Didn't see another one. Would have lost that bet. How about the different in look? And you mentioned the, the the stadium that wasn't a stadium yet. I mean, really, it's a stadium that Tiger helped build because of that moment. The clothing was different. The bag here now it's more tight fitting. And think about the celebration, kind of the raise the roof. That was like the heart of. Uh, you know, Arsenio Hall and, <laughs> and, you know, the woo, 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 woo. I mean, that was uh, 25 years ago, and what a moment. And we didn't even know what the career would look like. At this point, we're starting to get an idea in, in 97, but that was before he ever won a major championship. We knew he was special. I mean, you don't win going on that amateur run if you're not yeah. special because yeah. nobody's ever really done that before, especially not in modern golf. You win three juniors, win three amateurs in a row. I mean, you've got to be incredibly special both mentally and physically to be able to do something like that. But these were those moments that yeah. he started to kind of hint. I will step up when everyone most wants to see it. I I'm going to make a hole-in-one on the 16th hole at the Phoenix Open. Yeah. You know, one of the craziest settings in all of sport, not just all of golf. And you said it before the Masters and everything, you started to realize – this isn't just a special type of player. I mean, this is a guy that's going to change what golf looks like going forward. And now we're seeing players that can hit it 350, 360, 390 at times, get into the 400 range. I mean, modern golf has moved this way because of Tiger Woods and what he did in 96, 97, 2000 and beyond. There were still some pros, though, early in 97 that wanted a piece of this guy. I said, well, wait a second. You know, let's see him have a season or two. Or a career, you know, bumping up against then the best professionals in the world. I'll never get to look on Colin Montgomery's face during the Masters after he, you know, rode shotgun with him. He walked to that press center. I mean, the look on his face, flushed red, hair out of place. I mean, that was the effect Tiger had on, on the entire game. I had that on the PGA Tour then. And you think about the young PGA Tour in 2017, yes. 2018, saying, we want Tiger back, we want mm. Tiger back. And all of a sudden, Tiger back at Augusta National doing the stuff that Tiger made a career out of doing.